I'm Yahweh, bless the reading of your word, your truth, knowledge, and wisdom to you bestowed and shared through this, this scriptures, the holy word, the gospel, your gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son who came from you to us and is with you where we will be. Ab Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua Aman, Praiseworthy all they are. Trinity here and there and with us always. We have a tendency to forget these things. We have a tendency to set that aside, believing the white noise interference and the white noise interference from the minions of hell that try to draw our focus. I've shared this a number of times before and I'm coming back with it and coming at you with it yet again. Um, but the reason being is that the confirmation came through the word. In my reading this morning when I was laying my head down on the pillow. And it's there. When the spirit presents it, I, I, had, I must obey. I must listen. I must obey. It has to be. And I am about my father's business, not about my business. And I've shared with you about mindset, mind troubling. And these past few days as I've been toiling and thinking, there it is, thinking about these things that are coming on. The enemy came and tried to heighten that anxiety. But you know what? <laughs> Here's the greatest thing. Um, as soon as I let go, I, I was praying about it and trying to figure and then at the same time I was praying about it I wasn't letting go because then I turn around I try to figure out financially how it was going to set up and how it was going to work out and what I should do what the best odds were and so forth and so on and and it's much like we do when we repent and we give our sin to God and we pray for him to Forgive us all. He does. And, and the Bible tells us, the scripture tells us that he throws it. Now, can you imagine God throwing something? The creator of all things made, Abba Yahweh, the maker of all things made, throwing. Not just tossing, he throws it. He casts it. The scripture says he casts them into the sea of forgiveness. For him, that's where it goes. He doesn't bring it up. He doesn't remind you. And God will never sit there on his throne and you come to him with repentance and forgiveness of, of such and such. And he goes, wait a second here. Hold on one minute. Didn't you come last week for a similar request? I seem to recall God will never do that. The enemy might get you to try to think that he's doing that and believe that he's not going to forgive you because you just did it last week or the week before, the month before, but God will never, never, ever stand in your face, sit on his throne, hear your request, and then say, you know what? We were just here last month for a very similar problem. We were just here 
the other day. Weren't we just here the other day about this? Uh, I don't think that's happening today. God will never do that to his children. You come to God and he will forgive. He loves us. And he will hear your plea and he will forgive. And he will never point his finger at you in judgment as Satan will do. Satan will do that very thing. <coughs> Pardon me. Satan's going to point his finger. He's going to blame you. He's going to cast doubts on you. He's going to do everything he possibly can. Individuals will even dive into that sea of forgetfulness and swim out and dive down and find their box of strife and hardship and anger and doubts and and they bring it back with them. And then they sort of walk, drag it to the house, take it to the attic. Now, know this here. When I refer to the attic and when I talk about it, that's upstairs in your mind. The attic in our house is our mind. So then what do we do? We go up the stairs and we toss it over in a corner of the attic. <clears throat> But then, but then, here comes the fun part. The serpents and scorpions and the minions from hell, well, you're going to hear them. They're going to be scampering, scurrying around. It's a disturbance. It's an agitation. It's a distraction because they're going upstairs. Why do they need to go upstairs? Ah, because that's where the fun is going to begin for them. The agitation, the frustration, the thought process, the self-doubt, the self-pity, the self... Anything that, that is established with your own mindset. And they start to kick these uh, boxes that we bring and stack up in the corner because we do it. I, I've done it, I do it. And see, Satan wants us to live in regret. He wants us to stay in regret. And we have to remember and never forget, never forget that we don't regret. I mean, we can feel bad that it happened, but when you reside in regret and you reside in the past, and see, the nation of Israel was told, and Moses was told, and Joshua was told, and they were to tell the elders, all the elders of the tribes, when they were crossing the Jordan, to look back. But not to look back in shame and agony and regret and remorse, but to look back and remember through all things that Hashem, your Lord thy God, was with you always. He was always there. Every time that you look back, you see that God was there. God is here. God will be there. Always. He was with us. He is with us. And he will be with us. Haman. Ava Yahweh Haman. 
He is definitely praiseworthy. So that's the only reason that we look back. But see, the minions of hell and Satan want us to look back and stay bound by those things that we did in the past. It's done. What are you going to do by beating it to death? And what are you going to do by keep bringing it up and allowing them to get into that trunk? What you need to do is grab that, drag it back down the stairs, and toss it out. Bury it if you have to. They're going to try to dig it up anyway. <clears throat> but remember this. And I've shared this with you before. If you look into the book of Psalms and you read back in and you read the book of Psalms, the Psalms of David, his poetic collection and his songs. And if you read through a lot of these things, you will find them to be in his mind. It weren't actually physically happening, but these, this is what he was thinking and this is what he was feeling. It becomes very real. And I know it becomes real in your lives as it does in mine, is that you believe something so earnestly that you believe it is a physical manifestation of something that's happening, but it's it's not happening. Okay, I did this, and I know wherefrom I speak. I allowed this. Exactly, here, my words. I allowed it. I entered it. I walked in it. And now the consequential life. Um, won't go into depth about that because I don't want to beat that dead horse. And I'm not, I'm not residing there and I don't. <clears throat> There's a pain that I feel because I did that. But mostly what the pain is, is that I was not walking with the Lord as I should have been. Had I been... I would have been in obeyance and I would have sought his understanding. But what did I do? Being a jarhead, that's a terminology for Marine, by the way. Um, I listened to them, Memon. And I've shared this with you before, is that Satan can utilize those that reside on this plane of existence just like he can when he sends demons. There are those in this plane of existence that will try to convince us that things are a certain way when they're not a certain way and that we need to pay attention to them, and which is essentially what I did. I, I fell into the trap. I took their word for things. Why? Because they were Marines. I was a Marine. They're going to rely on me to keep them alive. I'm going to rely on them to keep me alive, and we support each other. We take care of each other. And so I took what they were saying as truth and then allowed it to disrupt my thought process which became more agitated as time proceeded instead of going to the Lord and getting secure known guidance did I do that no I did not so brothers and sisters I'm telling you this to because it's important that we go to the Lord in all aspects of our lives, everything that we do, because they're going to try to disrupt, they're going to try to destroy. We need to be there. And it's very important that we go there.
And I've shared this portion with you before. Why do you think that Paul, when he relates to the armor of God for our spiritual warfare that we are indeed involved in, and there are those that will not admit to that, and they, you know, they just sit back on their slothful hind ends and they kick back. They're not doing their father's business. They don't want to share the word. They don't want to do it. And there's nothing that they are going to allow to disrupt their weekend. They won't even go to church because their weekend involves the Super Bowl or the playoff games or their fantasy football teams. And man, he just got this so-and-so and and Robert just got so-and-so. And I, man, I can't let that, I gotta, I gotta get in this. They will take Sunday from worship and spending time with their family and the Lord in prayer and worship to play fantasy football, watch the playoff, drink a beer with the buddies. Oh yeah. And then they don't want to admit to the fact that there's any spiritual warfare going on. They're ignoring the call of the Holy Spirit and the actual physical voice that their their spouses are producing to get them to go. And the kids are, come on, come on, come on. No, no, this is playoff. I can't go. No, I can't miss this. Uh, you don't have a DVR. You don't have a tape player. You can't record any of this stuff. Watch it later. Yeah, but what if somebody lets a score out? Well, ignore it and watch the action anyway. But we would choose our plane of existence over that in spiritual existence. We are in a spiritual warfare. Whether those slothful label-head self-proclaimed Christians want to admit it or not admit it, it's happening and it's real. The Bible tells us real. The word of God, his spiritual truth, tells me that it is a real existence and it does occur. He protects us from seeing that every day. If God allowed us to see what is taking place on the spiritual plane of existence that is existing around us all the time and does exist all the time. But our heavenly guardians are with us all the time, protecting us all the time. If we were allowed to see what was going on, our finite minds would erupt in multiple, repeated, miniature nuclear explosions. Mushroom clouds would be going off in our head all the time. Every second we turn around, we'd see the flash. What I believe happens, and I, I'm going to tell you this, and, and of course there will be naysayers and poo-pooers out there. I don't care. Remember, I've shared this with you before. I don't care. My validation doesn't come from you. The only validation that matters to me is that I do my father's business and that he approves and the Holy Spirit allows me to share what I share. What you think about it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Because here's here's the bottom line on this. A lot of people say, well, I'm in a woke culture. I'm woke and I'm going to get you taken. I'm going to get you canceled. I'm going to this, I'm going to that. Well, yada, yada, yada. Are you woke or are you awake? And cancel culture, getting people to do what you think that they should do or what you want them to do. Proud of you for that.
But here's the deal. Are you woke or awake? Because I know this happens. And the Lord has allowed me to see that my guardian that stands with me, by me, he allowed me to see this. Why God? I'm not, I'm not going to try to question God as to why he allowed that to happen. I don't know. Not sure. But I know he loves me. And perhaps he knew that there was, with that walk in that time in my life, that there was a questioning or a, a turmoil or some for some reason he allowed this to happen. And it did. And I've shared with you, some of you before, if you were listening or weren't listening. But he allowed me to see my spiritual guardian. And I could see into that plane of existence in the spiritual realm and not in this one. I could see the bridge that the demons would access to come at me at night because this is where they, this is when they come in. Kind of a funny thing, but when I was in the military, I learned to embrace the night. It was a good hiding place even when you didn't have one. But then at the same time, it was a frightening place because that's where the enemy would come from. They would come from the deep and the dark. And they were so adept at their hunt that that they would come unseen, unheard. The demons like to do the same thing. The Chaldeans, I've told you, are ambush hunters. They love that. But this bridge... In the vision, I saw this being, this heavenly warrior, was a fire, but not consumed. And holding his hand up to stay the demons from crossing the bridge. Never saw them, because they would have been really hideous and frightful. So I think God saved me from that. <clears throat> And I could hear my two, my two dogs, my support dogs. They were, they were yapping. And they, they were going pretty heartily at it with their, this was something that's not normally heard late in the night, early morning hours. They don't do that. They're protective. And they're, but these, this time they were, they were really, really at it. And I had not, I don't think, I don't, I don't remember that I had opened my eyes or, or maybe I did, I, I can't remember. But it was as if I had my eyes open and I could see what was going on. But anyway, my, my guardian was there, standing at the foot of the bridge, wouldn't let them pass. And on either side of them, I'm supposing, because I didn't see that, were my dogs. And he looked down at one, looked over at the other one, and then he looked at me and he smiled because I was calling them back and, and chastising them. And he's telling me that it's okay, that they're with me, they're protecting me, and he's there. And they can help. And it's allowed. At any rate, there is a real spiritual warfare and we need to be aware of that and exercise it as if we are. 
So, in my reading, a couple places, actually, and confirming each other. My one mentor is talking about the different reasons that many of us wear helmets, bicycle helmets, football helmets, uh, baseball batting helmets. Ice hockey players wear helmets sometimes. And football players. And there's teams that care for their players so much so that they exercise a great deal of purchase power in buying that protection. Because the mind is a very powerful thing. I remember a commercial when I was younger. A mind is a terrible thing to lose. I'm talking about education and that sort of thing. <clears throat> but spiritually speaking, a mind is a pitiful thing to lose. Oh my gosh. If you allow the demons to come in and exercise and play with your mind, as we often do, it can be lost. But let's go back. We're going to digress in this dialogue a little bit and go here. When when Paul is writing and exercising his thought process about our spiritual armor, because we are in a spiritual warfare, whether you label heads, self-proclaimed Christians, want to admit it or not, it's there and it's real. And you have to realize that it's truth. God isn't going to tell us that if it's not true. It's not going to be in the word of God if it's not true. And Paul talks about the armor that God has made and provides for us. One of the most important parts, and Paul also expresses this, and and it's the helmet. And I've shared many times before that it doesn't matter what your intellectual prowess is. It doesn't matter how smart you think you are. It doesn't matter how how many classes you have, how many degrees you have. None of that makes any difference because Satan knows that the weakest point of attack is our mind. It is our mind. And once we allow those thoughts to interfere and they go in, they will disrupt, and they will overpower, and will destroy. I saw a, um, I believe the name of it was A Beautiful Mind, starring a good actor, Russell Crowe, and it was taken from a biographical account of this man who was an intellectual genius, but demons attacked his mind. And it took him years, decades perhaps. I can't remember exactly the length of time, but he was trying to obtain his uh, professorship at a really, at a vaunted university. It happened, but it was also a demonstration of what happens to a mind. But adversely, the sad part is that he put more credence in that position in the world of mammon. Many of us will do that. 
and that thought process. And see, this is a this is a this is a boon for for Satan and his minions because that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to place more value in what you can obtain on this plane of existence and what you can obtain anywhere else. And we have to remember one thing. This is very important. I share with you from the book of Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 5. By whom we have received grace and apostleship. Grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? What does that translate to? What does that mean? It means that as a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you are a true believer, if you're not a label head and not a self-proclaimed, but a true believer, and know this too, that, that it wasn't until many years after Jesus Christ was crucified that the term Christian came into existence. It used to be called the way, the walk, his way. There were different terms for those who believed. And when the churches were being burned and persecuted, Saul, who later became Paul, who was redeemed of the Lord on the road to Damascus when he was knocked off of his ass into the middle of the road and Jesus came, stood over him in the bright light and he was consumed by the bright light of the Lord. And he said, Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me? And several days later, after following directions and doing according to what he was told to do, the man came and and told him, he said, hey, I was told to come and take care of you here and that I was told to come and minister to you and take you. And as soon as certain things were said, it was as if scales had fallen out of his eyes, had, had fallen to the ground. And Paul could see again. But he was called to be a disciple, an apostle, to guide and teach. And he was called of the Lord. We are each called. We are given authority. We are given power. By whom have we received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom ye are also the called of Jesus Christ? There is one place to be, and that's in the Word, reading the Word, following the Word, being about our Father's business, and in obedience that we spread the gospel. Here's the other thing, too. Don't get all confused about those who think that they're theological wizards and they have all the answers, because they do not. And they have decided that the gospel separates the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. That's the only separation there is in the Bible. Nothing else. However, they have decided that 
all of the New Testament is the gospel of Jesus. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the New Testament, all those books. Uh, but herein comes the illuminating flare into the darkness. And now there's bright light. The entire Bible is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word gospel simply means, in Latin, it means, and the Romans just use this all the time, it means good news. That's all it means. And I can remember at times as a younger man when I was in the service, when you would hear something and there were always rumors flying around and you'd hear somebody in a loud, firm voice, no, it's gospel, I'm telling you. It's the truth, it's gospel. I heard it from so-and-so. Who heard it from so-and-so? Who heard it from so-and-so? Who happened to be a clerk in the office of so-and-so? The word gospel simply means good news. The New Testament are the gospels, the good news of Jesus Christ. But if you follow the rule of faith, if you follow regula fideli, and you read from the front to the back and the back to the front, you will find that Jesus Christ is in the Bible in its entirety. <clears throat> in its entirety. One of my mentors and his guidance was sharing that there's over, well, I can't remember what he said. Yes, over 700 times that Jesus is mentioned in the Old Testament of the Bible and not just in prophecy. 300 times that Jesus Christ is mentioned as a, an absolute figure and mixed with the others, it is a prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was known before. And I've told you and I've shared with you before that Jesus Christ, the anointed of God, was manifest physically in front of Joshua, in front of Nebuchadnezzar, and had been seen. There had been times where he was physically manifest. And the individuals knew who he was. Why did they know who he was? Because their mind recognized the authority of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ, anointed of God, who came for our sake. Remember that, Jesus Christ. It's not his first and last name. You understand, you have Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Christ, anointed of God is what that word means, anointed of God. That's all that word means. It's not his middle name, it's not part. But we have Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ, Barjona, or Bar-Joseph. Son of Joseph, who was, who is, and will always be. So we have to get that mindset going. That mindset. And the helmet of salvation is our protection. We have to remember this. This is one thing that, that I already shared with you. That God will never do. And Satan loves to do. Condemn. Point the finger. Blame. Accuse. That's, that's what he does. And he's constantly trying to address issues like that with God. And when it comes time and we have to stand up there and Satan's going to be sitting back there sniggering and he's going to be, ha, 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 ha. 
okay, so what's the problem here? And then he's going to start rattling off all this stuff that we did, had done, and did. <clears throat> and then God's going to look down and he's going to say, who speaks for this man? Who speaks for this woman? Ashua will stand to his feet and he says, I do, Father. I speak on his, her behalf. I took it from them. And God is going to look at Satan and bang that heavenly gavel and he's going to say, case dismissed. And then we go in and we're home. It's going to happen. I mean, the Bible tells us that we are going to be judged and we have to face God. And he's going to want to know some things. Satan's going to be trying his hardest to condemn us and blame us. He does that now. But you have to remember, too, that constantly that we have an intercessor who constantly is there for us in prayer. Jesus, our Lord. Remember this. This is the first stanza of our adoption letter. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Remember that Jesus explained this to the woman at the well. And he told her, he said, when you come, he says, there will be a time when you will not have to go to a specific place to worship God. Because God is truth and God is spirit that you worship him in truth and spirit. And you can worship God anywhere. We have to have our mind open to these things. This is in the book of Isaiah. Now remember that Isaiah, being a prophet of the Lord God, saw many things that were coming in the future. He also, I shared with you that he testified to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ as if he had been there. And when he speaks about it, he speaks in the past tense. He saw it. He was there. But here's some things that I'm going to share with you because a lot of what Isaiah says in his book speaks to this nation. Arise and shine, for the light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. He's not only talking about Jesus in this particular passage here, but take this to heart too, is that that light that Jesus brings is shining upon us as his disciples, that he has given us authority to do these very things. And remember what he says, he says, take note, he says, but you're gonna be doing greater and more powerful things than what you've seen me do. You're gonna be able to do much more. That light that Jesus brings to the world and brought into the darkness and and 
understand that that light is in us and this is a light that it talks about that Jesus is the way, the truth, the light and the life, all of those things and that our job is to share the word of God with all the nations and this is what we're called to do. We need to be that light in this dark plane of existence. This is um, I'm going to share this one too out of um, Isaiah 59. Behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it is not shortened that it cannot save neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid your face his face from you that he will not hear for your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity your lips have spoken lies your tongue hath muttered perverseness none calleth for justice nor any pleadeth for truth they trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They prefer to speak about themselves. They prefer lies over truth. I mean, that was demonstrated when all this hoorah nonsense was going on. You have an individual and everybody says, hey, but he's a, he's a medical professional. Now he threw his Hippocratic oath out the window and started testifying with lies. People prefer that darkness of lies over truth. I mean, you see this time and time again. They prefer to be lied to, to be coddled to, and to be addressed with lies. And people say, well, you got to tell a little lie to, to protect them or help them. No, you don't. If you do it with kindness and you do it with uprightness and you do it correctly, truth is always, emphatically underlined, always better. Lying is sinful and it's wrong. And you don't lie to somebody and tell them that that dress looks really good or no, honey, those jeans don't make your <clears throat> make you look fat. You don't lie to them about stuff. Little white lies like that. And then they go out into a public place and then they get around their quote-unquote friends, which are more like the millstone that Jesus talks about. And then they start sharing the truth with him or her. And then you get to look from across the room because now they realize that what you told them was a lie and now they're out in a public place and can't escape the peers, the gays, the guffaws, and the chuckles and the sniggering that's going on as the, as approach. And then others will turn it back really fast to keep from bursting out in, in outright laughter. So now the anger builds up, it builds up, and now you're driving home in silence, or he's driving home and not talking. And then you get in the house, and then the explosion erupts, and then the kids wake up crying because they hear you yelling at one another. Yeah, just an expanded 
sped up verbal video version of what takes place. But this is what goes on in a daily basis. And it's okay. And the Bible's telling us that it's okay to do that. No, it's not okay. It's telling us that that's what we are doing and what we have turned to and what we believe. Is that in the darkness that we spread iniquity, lies, and untruths, and that it's okay. It's perverting. The word pervert has nothing to do, or perversion has nothing to do with sexual intercourse, one with another, person, place, or thing. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with the twisting and maligning and changing of one thing meant to be something else. And then it's been manually transfigured into something that it wasn't meant to be. That's perversion. What was meant for life was turned into a hideous creature. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Shelley's Frankenstein. Life. And this, depending on how you look at it, I mean, it's a very good, it's a very well-written story, but it's also a very descriptive of arrogance of mammon. What did this man do? He believed that he could be as God and create life. So he took dead parts, pieces, parcels, and put them into a body, brought it to life, but because it was perverted and it was tainted in a number of ways, it became a monster, a hideous monster, killing and rampaging. Same thing happens with the thought process, and Satan loves that. Might not necessarily physically kill somebody and take their life from them, but that happens as well. But your spiritual life is destroyed, disrupted, perverted, twisted, changed. This is what Satan drives to take place. But we have to remember... And here's this word that I'm telling you. He's talking to the woman at the well in John chapter four. In verse 23, Jesus tells her, but the hour cometh. Now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. Pardon me. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But here's here's an imperative here. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. He wants you to worship him in truth and spirit. And he looks for you. He's looking. He's calling. He wants his children to come to him. I saw an old picture one time in a a film, I I believe, 
And I believe they actually used it when they were filming a portion of, of Jesus' life when the children came to him and they all came running and and he just kind of half bent over, half squatted down and he put his arm around as many children as he could. This is a visage that I have of our Lord, our God, is that he wants us to come to him and when we do, we come in and we put our arms around him and he's trying to hug back as many as he can all at the same time. <clears throat> And he doesn't say any time at all, Johnny, Billy, Mary, Jane, back up, back up, make room, make room. Doesn't do that. He just grabs, pulls, and drags us all in and cuddles us and hugs us and loves us and smiles at us. He sang over us before we were sent here. He prayed over us before he sent us here. And he sang over us each and every one. Prayerfully, I'm certain that we would come and in this plane of existence that he knew we were coming to and knew what it was, but he had prayed that the choices that we make in our life would bring us to him. For some it did. And some that claim to be are not. That's the sad part of it. They fake. They are fake. That is truth. Whether you want to hear it or you don't want to hear it, that's truth. So... Here's the thing too that we have to we have to remember that things are observed and this is shown in the word of God <clears throat> constantly down here and we see that it happens and I've shared this before is that we are watched constantly not just by God and not just by the minions and the minions come and watch because Satan is not omnipresent as our Lord God is. He's not omniscient as our Lord God is. He's not omnipotent as our Lord God is. He wants to be, but he's not. So he can't be everywhere all the time. He can't see everything all the time. And he can't overpower us all the time. We are given power and authority that we can disrupt that. But here's the thing too. We're constantly being watched by not only them, but by others in our church who are willing to question and disrupt and they want to, um, their thought process is disrupted. And it happens. It does indeed happen. That's true. So sharing that in John 4 and 27, further reading. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seeketh thou? Why talkest thou with her? Nobody questioned that, but they do. They watch and they see. And they saw her talking to him, but she was a Samaritan. Uh, She was a Samarian, a Samaritan woman. They wondered, they pondered, but nobody dared to ask him. 
you know, it, reading more and more about the disciples, they were so much like we all are now, questioning some to learn and some to just, wouldn't it be better that no? If it was, you would have done it that way. <clears throat> just like words in the Bible when they try to say that they're different and those perverts will get up there and say, oh, we've been teaching the Bible wrong all this time. John 3, 16 is not correct. We should be saying it this way. Well, wait a second. If God meant to say that, he would have said that. He's the maker of all things made. Does he think that, do you dare in your arrogance and your audacity think that you need to tell God to correct his word that's been standing this way for the time and more, way before many generations of your family even came into existence? That you need to be telling God that it's incorrect and that we need to change it and you want to rewrite the Bible? Good luck with that. Might get it done physically here and somebody allow you to do it, but you're going to have to answer to that. Revelation, last chapter, last four or five verses. It suggests a very true warning to those who dare. And then, of course, there's the individual who's declared himself to be God incarnate on earth who wants to rewrite it because it needs to be more relevant with the things that are happening in the world. I'm sorry, but I've read some verses in, in the Bible Yes, that was sarcastic. I'm not sorry. That speak the truth, and I have seen our own nation in the verbal picture illustration that I've seen. I could read many more of them to you. Isaiah has seen this nation and seen what it has become. <clears throat> But we have things that are taking place, that are happening in this world. And this is what I was telling you about in, in uh, the book of Acts when it talks about Saul, Paul. Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hand, oh, I'm sorry, that's uh, Acts 9 and 17. Starting 16, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. So here's a certain reading and I'm going to twist this because it's a perception that I have. The Holy Spirit says it's good to share it. So I'm going to. Of course. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straight away, he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. So, I shared with you that depending on your pronunciation, whether it be Arabic or Hebrew, Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, was called either the house of bread or the house of meat. 
depending on the pronunciation and language you were speaking. And that the word of God, Jesus, was described as being that bread and meat. Um, Paul writes about us uh, being fed on milk and bread as a new Christian because we can't understand possibly or fathom the depth in some of the deeper scriptures, but we need to study, seek, study, seek, study, seek, look for that front to back cover, back to front cover, rule of faith, go back and forth and back and forth and stay in the word because it's interwoven all things with the Lord. But Saul increased, I'm going to verse 22, but Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. And in the beginning with Paul, all that heard were amazed and said that question, is this not he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound into the chief priests? See, they were accusing Saul, Paul, of being on the hunt still. They weren't sure about him. They had doubts because you have to remember, this guy had a reputation. So their their mindset was not to the fact that he had repented, or there, there is repentance, that he did not. It was possibly entrapment. But notice, too, that there was still this fearful contempt for those that believe in Jesus, although not physically here spiritually here and he walked with the disciples and he walked with Saul called specifically for a reason and Paul was going to go to the Gentiles those were the uncircumcised the un, <clears throat> the outside of the Jews and he was going to preach and teach remember that Paul also uses the term circumcision for Believers and unbelievers, it's not necessarily a physical manifestation by medical procedure where they cut the foreskin off the male genitalia. It's a spiritual circumcision. You are either in the covenant with God or not. And those that are not in a certain covenant, the Gentiles that are outside the nation, <clears throat> he preaches to them. <clears throat> Pardon me. But the thing of it is that what is in the scripture and talks about this all is the mindset. One mindset, teaching and sharing and doing the one thing. We are called to be of one mind, that mindset. Remember the scripture that God gave us a spirit of truth, not of fear. And that we have a strong mind. The helmet of salvation is important, brothers and sisters. And 
It's important because it tells us that Jesus came for our sake and that we believe in that and that that is the truth, that we all agree on that truth. We chase that truth. We share that truth. The breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of truth. And remember that that is accurate too because Lagos or the armory, which is a term that has been given to the Bible, harema, which are swords that are drawn. And when Jesus was in the wilderness and had been fasting for 40 days and Satan came to him when he was, he thought that he was weak. That's because Satan's a coward. He is really a coward when he comes and presents himself to us as well. But because he's able to camouflage, we become fearful and think, oh my gosh, he's like God. He's, he's too big. He's too powerful. No, he's just a liar and he's good at camouflage. So don't give up. So Jesus drew the swords and he parried and he, and he knocked away each one of the times that Satan came at him. And it only took three from Jesus. Might take a few more for you because you become very frightened of the devil. But Jesus parried him three times and then he went away and then the angels came and ministered to Jesus and strengthened him, fed him. So, where is your mindset? Do you have the helmet of salvation pulled down tight to protect you from the minions of hell that come and try to change your mind or persuade you that things are what they are not? They were working on me very hard on that. I'm, I think I've shared with you that I was getting ready to get booted out of here. What reason? I don't know. I've lived here for four years. I'm still looking around here right now and I can't find a reason, but it doesn't make any difference. Because see, that's the mindset that the devil wants us to be in, looking for the reason of why. It doesn't matter why. God's going to take care of it. God does take care of it. You let it go. As soon as I let go and he went out, he's providing me a place with the same person that I have this really awesome rapport with. He is a God-fearing man. He believes in God and he believes in Jesus Christ came and now it's going to be a better place. Bigger garage and he's offered it <laughs> substantial things to me and I'm not going to have to do and jump through a whole bunch of hoops everything's going to be pretty much automatic because he's been my property owner landlord here for as long as I've lived here we have a rapport didn't always like stuff but he was always a fair man and this is what's going on now and as soon as it happened and I let go and let God I just I felt this overwhelming comfort and peace, which I was bound up for. So the important thing is our mindset. Where is your mind? It should be walking in light and sunshine, truth and spirit of God. You are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? Truth is truth. 